And today, Dr. Patrick will be speaking on spiritual economics, training the mental muscle. On behalf of our spiritual community, we extend a warm welcome to all who have joined in this morning's celebration. And please join us for 30 seconds of sacred silence. very room there's quite enough love for all the world and in this very room there's quite enough joy for all the world and there's quite enough love and quite enough power to walk through our every fear For a spirit One spirit Is in this very room In this very room And I invite you in this moment, as you sit, notice the chair supporting you. And as you take your next breath, in whatever rhythm or pattern that is, allow that breath to be a vehicle that takes you into your heart center, into your core, not just your mind. Allow yourself to be open in this moment to this divine presence, this substance of the infinite, this unseen force for love, good, power, and presence. And so that it is no longer just an idea, it is an experience. It is not about manipulating, it is not about forcing, it is not about one more thing I have to do. It is simply relaxing, Breathing in, welcoming, allowing, permitting spirit to move in and through you and I this day in a beautiful way. To remind us of who we are and whose we are. That there is one life. That life is God's. That life is perfect. And that life is our life. It is not something to earn. It is something to reveal. And so join me in this agreement, if you will, that whatever is important for you or I to be made aware of in this moment that we stand in divine co-creation and divine communication, allowing that infinite divine intelligence to bubble up into our awareness, the next right and perfect idea, feeling, thought, opportunity, 
that our intuition is finally tuned to that one life, that one power, that one presence. It also shows up in the people we, we encounter through ideas, through a signpost along the way. Wherever it may be, we will know it, you will know it, because it will ring true in your heart. So we are here today in deepening our awareness, commitment, and relationship to this divine presence, this divine truth, this one life, step by step, beautifully and wonderfully. And each time we incorporate and embody more of that, this infinite divine presence rejoices on our behalf. So I stand with you in the rejoicing of this in this moment in a beautiful, wonderful way, knowing that this day is complete and wonderful, powerful for each one of us giving birth to a new possibility, a new idea. Releasing these words in gratitude and appreciation, I invite you to say with me, and so it is. Well, we are... um, basing our discussion this month on a, one of the spiritual classics of all time, Spiritual Economics by Eric Butterworth. They don't look like this. This is a, a copy that uh, Laura and I have in our library. Spiritual Economics, The Prosperity Process by Eric Butterworth. Eric was born in, Van, in Winnipeg, if you didn't know that. Amazing, amazing man. Went to the United States, studied, and eventually his ministry took him to New York City where he, for years and years and years, was an ambassador of New Thought Movement and New Thought Principles. So an amazing man. I think he, he passed away, made his transition in 2002. But it's training the mental muscle. And so one of the reasons is it, I looked at the first three chapters that I based sort of this discussion on today. And the, the mind is a muscle. The mind is a muscle just like any other muscle. And if we, and we use it and practice with it, it, it tends to grow in its strength and capacity to do the things that we would like to be supported in doing. So I'm gonna invite your, you to close your eyes right now and do 10 push-ups with your mind right now. Mm-hmm, okay. It's not that kind of muscle, but I thought I'd see if it... But so the mind truly is a muscle that we develop. And so sometimes we can get lazy with, our, with our, the, the way we use our mental muscle. And so what I know about this is, what I know about what we teach and what we stand for as a movement on this planet at this point in time is that we are invited to not buy into the status quo of conditions and form within the world, although those things will inform our decisions that we make. And we are here at the end of this, at the end of this journey and, and during this journey, we are here to make the impossible possible. I mean, it, that's what we're about. To look, at, to look at the things that are happening in our lives and the conditions in the world and realize it's impossible. It's impossible. Look at all the things that are happening out in the world that are so heartbreaking and, and tragic and, and, and all of those things. And yet what, what I know is those are, as, as the infinite wisdom that I've been exposed to, those are the ways that we learn and develop and choose, a new, choose newly in this, in this moment. So the first slide that we're pulling up, in, in, so there's a methodology to this and it's ideas and it's practices. So why not have the great practices in our lives that continue to help us develop our mental muscle, our capacity to think in a new and powerful way, and not just think, but also to be in a new and powerful way. The first slide, there's, the first quote is Ralph Waldo Emerson, talking about spiritual economics. Ralph Waldo Emerson said, you and I were born to be rich. Does anybody have a problem with that? 
You and I were born to be rich, to live. And what, and what he was talking about, he goes beyond. He says it's to develop the capacity so that we can have the things in our lives that allow us to continue to live a life that is, that is um, productive and, and, and joyful and creative. doesn't mean it'll be easy, but to, to be, continue to develop those capacities to fulfill our, our, our calling, what we're called to express and called to deliver on this planet. Below that is a quote by Charles Fillmore. He was the founder of the Unity Movement, and and, uh, Reverend Eric Butterworth was a Unity minister. And Charles Fillmore said, it is a sin to be poor. A sin to be poor. Now, if we understand the metaphysical meaning of sin, sin simply means a mistake. And so when we watch poverty, when we we watch limitation unfold on on the planet, and talked about that a lot last week about this idea of scarcity, then it's just a mistake. But how many of us believe that, that there's, there's grace in poverty? There's a grace in poverty. Yeah, thank you. But many people do. That I've had people come to me and, and, and challenge these ideas because we've been conditioned in this idea that to have things in, 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 a, in, a, in a large way is some capacity is against what God's wishes are. And yet, if we look at the great Nazarene who said, I have come so that you may have life and have it more abundantly. He was, see, and what I love about this book is the totality. It's not just economically. This spiritual prosperity or uh, economics is not just about prosperity. It's about health. It's about creativity. It's about opportunity. It's about all these capacities that we have to live in the fullness of life. So Fillmore, uh, in bolder print there, he says, when we establish ourselves in the consciousness of God, when we seek first the kingdom, the whole universe moves to flow into us with its abundance of its life and substance. That's why Jesus said that. And this is what Fillmore is saying years later. Seek ye first the kingdom. Well, that is the kingdom. What does that mean? Well, it means that we stand, we stand as, a, as a, an antenna of infinite possibility. That we understand our, our deep and abiding connection to spirit. And, it, and that deepens and deepens and grows. It's a practice. It's a mystery but it is deep and it is broad, and it's not based on religion. Religion simply means to bind together. That's all it means, is to bind together. And so what's happened with religion, as as Butterworth would say, and I would agree with him, is religion has become institutionalized. So here's here's our rule book. You follow the rule book and we'll guarantee you a place in heaven. And so these, these wonderful men came along and said, wait a minute, heaven is not a location, heaven is a state of being. And so what's this all this about these rules? Because I can, I can have a heavenly moment right here and right now. And what am I earning? So this whole idea, because we take our commerce into this idea of spiritual practice. And, and, and we all start in different places, but it's, it's, it's so much deeper than that. So what, what religion really was intended to do was to bind us to spirit, to connect us, so that it was an experience. It wasn't an intellectual concept. And that's one of the reasons that inspired the prayer we did today. And hopefully each, each time we get together is you opening up to this substance of life that is in and through and as each and every one of us, boundless and endless. And so what kind of practices, what methodologies can I adopt in my, my experience to express and experience more? More of life, more health, more great relationships, more creativity. I was sitting down on a, a Friday night, it was Halloween. Anybody here remember that? I remember it clearly. And the year before, we only had like three kids. So Laura and I are at the grocery store and like, how many should we get? Because I don't want that stuff around. Because you know what happens when it's around, don't you? Yeah, nothing good. Anyway, so we got, we got our quantity 
And, uh, I, and she was upstairs doing something, and I said, well, I'll watch the door. So I sat on my chair, and I'm reading my book, and I'm going to listen to some music, so I put my earphones on. And so I'm sitting there, and all of a sudden I look up, and there's this little ninja turtle right in my picture window, banging like this. And he's like this, and he goes like this. And I said, this little guy knows what he wants. So I walked over, and gave him some sugar and he felt good I felt better about it sorry so I knew I had to be on guard and we cleaned out all our candy I was so happy in fact we cleaned out our candy so much we had to hide in the back of the house till Halloween was over you ever done that yeah we kept yelling when they would say trick-or-treat we'd yell back nobody's home but anyway I, here's this little guy I even had to be like three years old he knew exactly he was here for some sugar I didn't get all dressed up for nothing buddy come on do your part. Oh, I'm sorry. So what Butterworth does in the first part of this book is he, he, he points out some definitions that have been uh, shifted and changed a bit by, by race consciousness or by cultural conditioning. On the next slide, we have the idea of affluence. Affluence simply means free flow. Affluence means free flow. You know, this idea that, you know, when, when uh, the, the great Nazarene, I like that term for, for the teacher Jesus, but when he, when he went out to preach, he didn't, you know, he said, let's pack, let's make sure we pack for two weeks and we got enough, he just went out. According to what I've read, he lived in the free flow, he understood, and he talked about it over and over again, seek ye first the kingdom, seek ye first this, this awareness of the divine presence within our lives. And these things that I have done, you shall do, and even greater. I mean, it's such, a, it's such an amazing thing to look at and go, Wow. I mean, there's so many beautiful scriptural uh, items that we have in his, uh, part of his legacy. But why would he say that? These things I have done, ye shall do an even greater. So to live in that free flow, which, which to me suggests this divine connection. There's one life, God's life. It's my life. It's not the totality of my life. It's not that I'm, I'm all of God, but I'm a portion. That portion of me that lives and moves and has my being in that divine connection. And what is mine to do based on that, that relationship? Prosperity. Prosperity means to go forward hopefully. To go forward hopefully. That's all it means. To prosper upon this planet is to go forward hopefully. Are we living that? Are we going forward hopefully? Are we continuing to look at the conditions of the world and say it's not working? We've got to make changes. We've got to uh, shift and change in some, some uh, big way because there's a lot of problems out there. And there are problems, but we're not going to shift and change them in a meaningful way by simply moving the deck chairs around on the Titanic. It's, it's, it's really about the consciousness beneath everything that helps shift and change things. And then wealth. Wealth is simply well-being. To live in wealth is well-being. Isn't it interesting when we think of those terms of affluence, prosperity, wealth? For me, it's always about money. Well, those are money terms. When in fact, what Butterworth is saying, it's like, you know, if you don't have the consciousness to hold, hold uh, prosperity, it, it can't stay with you. It's, it's shifting the consciousness. And the next slide, it says prosperity is not just having things. It is a consciousness that attracts the things. That's what prosperous people live in. They live in that divine relationship. There's a beautiful, you know, setting of nature, but that's prosperity, that's beauty, that's joy. Well, prosperity is not just having things, it is a consciousness that attracts things. 
So there's, there's three things that I focused on. I didn't get through all of them last week, so there's going to be a lot of people here next week, so make sure you get here early because I promised them a bunch of great stuff. But I want to I share a, um, a short video with you of someone that's just, that demonstrates these principles and has an amazing life. The sound you're going to have to listen to really carefully. It's a little, little bit tinny because it's a, it's a recording of a recording, and it's uh, Pharrell Williams talking about his experience. He was interviewed on Sunday morning, uh, CBS, a few weeks back, and I thought it was such an inspiring um, so this is about a minute and a half of Pharrell talking about his journey. He's been thinking in color since he grew up in Virginia Beach, Virginia, the son of a handyman and a teacher. It was his grandmother who urged him to get serious about music. She had been diagnosed with cancer. And I was turning 15 and she said, you know, you love the drums. Why don't you, why don't you learn how to play the drums? So he went to summer band camp and joined the school band. That's where I met my first music teacher, was Mrs. Warren, and my other band teacher, Mr. Warren, and then there was Mr. Edwards, and then there was Mr. Sharps. You remember them all? Yes, I do. And Ralph Copley had taught me how to play drum set. My story is the, the average story. You know, it's just, I just, it was filled with special people. You're giving everybody else credit. Well, what am I without them? Just try that for a second. Mm -hmm. Take all my band teachers out of this. Where am I? Where are you? I'm back in Virginia. Doing something completely different. What would that have been, do you think? Struggling art teacher. Mm -hmm. Struggling because the rest of my grades were not so... They weren't so good. They would like C's and D's. Mm -hmm. And sometimes A's. In beginning band class, he Thank met you, Chad Hugo, who played... So he was just talking there. I don't know if you made it out, but he's talking about what inspired him to pursue music. It was grandmother. She had cancer. said, why don't you go and pursue music? And then he talks about his, his, um, his band teachers, the people that taught him music. Can you pull up the next slide? Because one of the principles that, that Butterworth talks about is in this first part of the book is substance. And the awareness of divine substance, it is not something that is otherworldly. It is not something that it is in the form of you and I. We are this phalange of light in, in Abhijanya with a, you know, the entities of light they, and it's these unseen forces of good and it's very mysterious and woo-woo for many people, but we are the same. We just happen to have bodies. And so divine substance is something we are immersed in and what it looks like is what Pharrell's talking about. As he said, you know, I had, and he knows every one of his music teachers, every one of them. And he says, who would I be without them? Who would I be without the nurturing and the encouragement? And so what it says to me is, am I exposing myself, my infinite intelligence and divine wisdom to people that are going to nurture and help, help me create something that has never been created before? His, his song, Happy, I went on to play it today, but I don't have enough time. We'll play Happy another time. But it is number one in 24 countries. It's a simple song. Like a room without a roof. There's a line. Like a room without a roof, which he says is like, it's endless, it's boundless. And, and 24, number one in 24 countries? And is it true? Is happiness true for you? It's the next line. I mean, it's a simple process, but all, the, all of the, the care and the, and the nurturing that went into his being able to share his music and what was precious to him. And so he knew something, he followed that clue. Great ideas, sometimes it takes great ideas years and years and years to come into manifestation. And sometimes it takes other people's ideas and collaboration before they can be fulfilled. 
I talk about that. Stephen Johnson does this amazing thing where ideas come from. He said, most ideas come from over here and over here. There's a collaboration of ideas. But if we're not in the conversation, if we're not open to it, if, we're not, if it's not a possibility because we're spinning because we got disappointed or our hearts got broken or we're angry or we're afraid or whatever it may be, and I have complete compassion for that. But that is not a methodology that's going to allow you to live a life of freedom, of free flow, to go forward hopefully, and a sense of well-being. It just isn't. You know, when they first developed the computer, they used to, I don't know if you remember, but I remember, uh, they had the great big mainframe. Remember that? It was the size of this, you know, would, would, this wouldn't be big enough to hold it. And all it could do was add and subtract a little bit. But man, it was a computer. It was like, wow. And then all of a sudden, it went from the mainframe to the mini frame. It was a little bit smaller. And then they said, Thomas, you'll know this, doing computers. Then they went to the, to the desktop. Remember the first desktops we could get? They were like 10 grand. It's like, holy cow, I got to get one of those. Remember that? And then they went, to, and all of a sudden now we have laptops and we have the tablets and we have handheld devices. But what it was is what, and, and this comes from a, a, a lesson by uh, Clayton Christ, Christensen who, who studied this because he wanted to talk about what happens with innovation and why big companies aren't sustainable. Because the, the leaders in the industry like Honeywell and, and like General Motors, all these guys, they build and build for the, the, the high-end customer. At the end, they want to build the computer for the, the, the hospital. They want to build a computer for Revenue Canada or the IRS in the States. They want, to build, they want to sell a $5 million computer. They don't want to sell a computer to you and me. There's no money in it. So they keep pushing and pushing and pushing and pushing that innovation. And then all of a sudden, what happens is there's this disruptive innovation, which simply means that someone comes along and goes, well, what if you don't need all that? What if we just make a computer that people could use and they can add and subtract, they could do spreadsheets on? And so over time, what's happened, they went from the big mainframe and they developed the software and they de developed the chips so that all of a sudden it got faster and faster and more capabilities, but it was bit by bit, day by day, moment by moment. And so these, these disruptive innovators came along and said, there's a whole market here. There's people who might want a computer. Well, Honeywell wasn't interested in that and all these other ones that aren't around anymore because we've got to keep building the big one because we want to sell the ultimate. And all of a sudden, the people come along and go, wait a minute, there's a need here. It's called innovation. And we are this thing. Butterworth talks about the possibility of creativity. And so when we can stand, what I, I believe is where these ideas come from. They come from us. They come from others because that is God in form too. And there's a collaboration that goes on. But we're also guided to it if we're open to it. If I understand that my life is God's life, that there's something powerful and wonderful wanting expression here, how am I limiting that? How am I turning away from that? Because I feel like I got to do it all myself. That's a, that's a big idea. Too much work. I don't have enough. As Butterworth says, when we stand in that, the, the right ideas show up. The right energy shows up. The right opportunities, the right people. It's like Pharrell Williams. He wanted to learn how to play the drums. And then he brought into his life, his experience, all these wonderful band teachers and music teachers. And we wouldn't have the song happy. Would our lives be, be less? I would say yes. Here's someone demonstrating the well-beingness and the opportunity. Now, we're all not going to probably write hit songs. It's not on my bucket list. But what, what's unique to you and I, we are all an infinite pipeline to this divine expression. So the idea shows up, then it's my job to continue to nurture it and take the steps and, and to have the devotion, have, to take the responsibility. The last one there is a See, the, I love this. Let me back up a little bit. The universe owes us a living, according to Butterworth. Did you ever hear that before? The universe owes us a living. Because we've been given life so that we can identify and develop and nurture and deliver to the world what the universe has hardwired us for. 
It doesn't, the world doesn't owe us anything. I'm not talking about the world of form. It doesn't owe us anything. But when he says the universe owes us a living so that we can deliver our gift unto the world. And then we become, see, so this innovation I'm talking about, computers, look at the mainframes of our spiritual lives. How do we develop it step by step? So you don't have to change it all today. I don't have to change it all today. I love that. But I can do my part today. I can do the next piece for me. And I can be more diligent. And I can, I can, I can be more responsible. I can be more disciplined. And I can be more, more committed. Not because I'm trying to please somebody else, but because I'm trying to access more of that. That brings me to life so that your life and my life reflects that infinite divine free flow to go forward, hopefully, and the wealth, the well-being, spiritual well-being. I got one more minute to finish up, so this is good. I'm, I'm tracking well. I've only got 20 more minutes of material. So anyway, thank you so much. But as Butterworth says, it begins with you and I. And number one, we have to, we have to decide whether we're adding or subtracting into the sum total of our well-being to our forward momentum in uh, moving forward, hopefully with the thoughts, the activities, the things that we're involved with. And what are the qualities of our thoughts? What are the qualities of our thoughts? Because this is where it's so, it's so rich and wonderful. And then he talks about this quality of syntrophy. Syntrophy, which means it's the opposite of entropy. Entropy is, is getting smaller and smaller and smaller. And syntrophy is living, and there we go, and syntrophy is, is living with this, this larger and larger expression of life. This joy of being alive and moving forward and understanding, man, doesn't, you know what, well, we've all had our hearts broken. We've all had disappointment. We've all had things come into our lives. And, you know, and bless them and let them go and go, wow, this, I learned so much there. There's so much, so many things there I wouldn't do. You know, I did that, I had my, so many of us have, have, have struggled with marriage. We've had practice marriage after practice marriage to get to the one, but all those were preparing us for this one, if you know what I mean. Or the jobs that we go through. But if we, we just continue to say, well, I'm no good at that, I'm no good at that, what, is the inf- what do we give the infinite? Uh, what message are we sending? Oh, here you go, here's some more. Here, let me throw you another relationship that you're no good at. I mean, we are a magnet for whatever we are being. And if we're, and if we're, if we're broken and we're, we feel like there's just no possibility and it's just despair, we are here to make the impossible possible. And we forget that at times. It's so easy. It's so easy. The last chapter, he talks about visualization, or the, first, the third chapter, he talks about seeing and feeling the end. Seeing and feeling the end. Spend some time each day seeing and feeling, seeing in your mind's eye what this would look like. What would it look like for me to live the life that I'm called to live? A life of, of amazing health, amazing relationships, amazing clarity, and then to feel that. Amazing opportunities. As Mary Morris said, the only reason to have money in our lives is so we're comfortable enough so we can continue to create. And that's what this innovation is about. Innovation is, is God-informed. Innovation are these infinite ideas being expressed. What this uh, Clayton Christopher was talking about when he was talking about the computers, he said, in healthcare, what's happening, he said, is, this is, there's an idea in healthcare, especially in the United States, we're going to go to the doctors and say, stop charging so much. You guys are charging us too much money. Stop, stop, stop. In hospitals, you're too expensive. Stop, 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 stop. He says, it's never going to happen. I've been studying this for 20 years. It's never going to happen. But what will happen, he said, is you, well, through innovation, through technology, we can take a lot of the treatments and put them in the doctor's office, put them in nurse care practitioner's offices. And techn- technology, he said, he said, we went from x-rays to um, CAT scans to MRIs. All, just like the, the mainframes of the computers, got better and better and better and better. 
See, this is, this is abundance. This is enough. This is the transformation of consciousness. And so if you and I are not, uh, not part of this conversation, where can it show up? But this is exactly how it works. So it's not about tearing down the hospitals. It's not about making the bills smaller. That's not what this is about. It's about growing a bigger idea. And the bigger idea is there's something powerful and wonderful that is seeking expression so that it becomes more affordable and accessible to everyone. He was saying the other day that, that right now with the hospital, with some of the conditions in the hospital, this was 2009, he said, right now this hospital in a service, some, some condition, he said 70% of those people would have been dead 30 years ago. I mean, you don't think good things are happening on the planet? It's happening, folks. And it's happening because people are aligning themselves with this divine, this divine intuition and in collaboration with the other godlings on the planet and making a difference in their lives and giving expression to it. That's why, this, that, that's why what we teach for me is the foundational piece. Man, if you don't believe that you are divinely guided and divinely blessed and that everything that you are seeking to experience in your life is a gift to all, there's no private good, as Dr. Holmes said. And so it's just, I cannot, I cannot tell you how this just sets me on fire to make, the, to make the impossible possible. We are here to do this. It's our opportunity, and it doesn't, it, and, it, and so we, and, and it doesn't have to be overwhelming. It's piece by piece, bit by bit. Just as they developed the computer chip, just as they expanded this, this consciousness and this awareness. Sorry to get all worked up on you there, I just sometimes. Yeah. But it's so true. It's so true. Without this piece, without this piece, we just keep replicating the things that don't work. You know, we talk about standing for a world that works for everyone. It's innovation and it's creativity and it's identifying the gifts and talents that every child has. Not just all of them going to be math teachers and professors. Like Ken Robinson said last week, you know, dance should be part of our curriculum. There's another guy from uh, Winnipeg. Um, I'll, I'll talk about him next week. But he, he talks about his, his flunk in every... And, and like, like Pharrell, I wasn't good at anything else. I'd be a struggling art teacher. But these angels in God's presence came along and said, learn the drums and see where it takes you. Next door, next door. We don't know the final destination, but we have to keep moving through the doors and nurturing the possibility and saying yes to life, despite what happens. So the last slide is a quote from James Allen. It says, dream lofty dreams, and as you dream, you shall become. Dream lofty dreams. Have a dream and nurture that dream and dwell upon it and see it and visualize it and feel it and taste it. The vision is the promise of what you shall be one day, and your idea is the prophecy of what you shall at last unveil. Hallelujah. Yeah, I agree. Making the impossible possible. So while we're in this energy of possibility, because this is such a potent place to do anything from, I'm going to invite you to take your, your offering in your hand right now. Let it be captured by this, this contagion of possibility, of forward momentum, and the hope and the promise of a possibility that this we give back to spirit we give back to this infinite divine intelligence by means of this by means of this community demanding that the highest and best be revealed for ourselves for everyone we sit with for this movement and for this planet we are here to be a, a contagion of good ambassadors of possibility and light and creativity and so i just give thanks this day to share my gift i thank you for your support i thank you for the amazing music we have here the amazing programs the consciousness the prayers and the resources that have gone so that we can be here today and stand with one another as ambassadors and representatives of this tribe of light upon this planet this phalange of light for this i give thanks and together we say and so it is. 